You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Matt Stegner here with Ryan Cobb Jr. And I, I know we just got through the 4th of July, but we're here to talk about the end of summer is near, at least on the NFL's calendar. Yes, training camp is right here, Stags. Honestly, the next time we record, I might have a practice watched in person under my belt. The first practice is Sunday, July 23rd. That's the first time people can go out and look. Um, so, so I, that might be the, and that's our next recording would be that, that 24th, that Monday. So, uh, so stags, we're pretty much here, man. I don't know. I'm excited for football season. was kind of a laying low on social media for a little bit, you know, just taking a little break, but I'm, 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 I'm hype. I'm back on Twitter. I don't know what's, you know, the future of Twitter, but I'm going to just keep posting till, till the sink, uh, the, the ship sinks stags. So, uh, I don't know about you, but. Uh, I'm excited, man. I'm pumped up. I'm ready for camp, and and we're going to get into a few uh, kind of preview things here today. Absolutely. I signed up for that new thread service or whatever that is. Uh, haven't have used not. it yet, but uh, just kind of being prepared just in case. But I feel like Twitter's been a little bit quiet given the the downtime in the league, but it's it's still there and it's still going. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm hoping this Blue Sky app, uh, It's uh, it was made by the uh, original founder of Twitter, Jack Dorsey. I'm hoping... It's right now. It's only it's invite only. I guess there's no video on the app yet. Um, but I'm really hoping he kind of maybe expands that and and, and kind of maybe makes that a more prevalent app because that sounds, I don't know, that sounds a little better than than Facebook Twitter. That's that's what Thread sounds like. Facebook Twitter to me. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm I'm not about. It looks that, like it so far it. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Stags. What do we what do we got going on today? Well, we thought the, for the training camp preview, I mean, we're not quite there yet, but we're, we're getting there. So let, let's talk about, everybody talks about what we already know or some of the training camp battles. I'm sure you'll see that content coming up soon on the site and elsewhere. But let's talk about a little bit about what we don't already know and, and sort of talk through some of these things that are still up for grabs because this is a remarkably stable franchise at this point. Coaching staff stable, quarterback stable. You've got a roster of young players that are not yet off of their rookie deal. So it's the turnover is maybe less going forward than what it has been. There's a lot of things that are already decided, I feel like, at least coming coming into this season as compared to other seasons. So what, Ron, give me one thing that is not yet decided that we'll be watching out for. Yeah, what we don't know about the Chiefs right now, which, you know, I, I, I think we take pride, Sags, in knowing a lot about this team. Uh, and so what, what do we not know about the team? And, 
And the obvious one right now is is Chris Jones' status, his 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 at his overall playing status. I mean, he's going into his final year of his contract. Obviously, we're all kind of on watch to see if an extension gets signed. Um, the franchise tag deadline is coming up. I want to say actually this week, possibly. I know it's uh I know it's in the teens of July that the franchise tag line, uh, or it's just before training camp, which obviously again we're getting to. So that's the thing. I think Chris Jones obviously is the main thing. I mean, is this going to be some holdout situation because he's asking for, you know, just an outrageous, uh, you know, number, which honestly he kind of deserves it at this point. You know, last season was a historic dominant uh, season for a defensive lineman, especially a defensive tackle. Um, you know, the defensive tackles really don't do what he did last season. So that's the main thing right now, Stags, which obviously not a great thing uh, to, to kind of not know about. So. Uh, you know, obviously that one's more of, uh, you know, hard to break down, right? We, it's kind of up in the air. Um, but do you have any reaction to kind of or any uh, any takes on the Chris Jones uh, situation? Yeah, it is interesting that July 17th is the is the franchise tag deadline, which we use as a proxy because Chris Jones is not on the franchise tag. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm I don't know why I was. Yeah, you're right. I'm. That's true. Yeah. But I do. I don't think there is a I guess you're right. There is no extension deadline Then I'm just thinking I'm, I'm thinking like he's on the franchise tag. So thank you for correcting me there. But I've, I've heard others talk about that as a as a sort of a, a landmark when you come to talk about the, this contract status. So we can well and sorry, we can and, chop that up. A little bit. Oh, no, I no, it's completely fine because I do think it's it's just in general an important deadline because you don't want to kind of go into camp without the extension done is the thing. So I guess you can just look at it as, you know, the deadline itself is just the camp starting. Right. Which, again, we're coming up on. And so, yeah, I, I think it would be nice to get some news this week. Right. Maybe before that 17th date, because they, they do report to camp, I think, around that time, too. Again, the 23rd is that first open public practice. They have some time before that. Um, at St. Joe's. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think either way, I think the, the Chris Jones situation is definitely number one. But uh, related to that, he's obviously yeah, the team's elite elite pass rusher, the number one pass rusher. I think the second question is, who is this team's second best pass rusher? I think we, mm-hmm. we maybe hope we know or maybe have some, uh, you know, some expectations. But do we actually know, Stags, who the team's second best pass rusher? I'm not quite sure. We don't. And just real quick back on the Chris Jones thing. I mean, I think whether it's a deadline, a hard deadline, a soft deadline or whatever, getting him re-signed was probably the number one priority of this offseason. And, and it hasn't happened yet. Right. So we've been talking about this for a while. So getting him re-signed would open things up. It could change their ability to to make other moves. It, it uh, obviously you want to keep him happy and avoid a holdout. I mean, there's a lot of ancillary things that come up. Uh, with this contract so it's certainly not to be overlooked again whether there's an official deadline or an unofficial one either way you're talking about a really important piece and I think it's something that they have prioritized but monster deals take a long time to negotiate uh, and it's been eerily quiet lately so uh, do you have an expectation that they actually will sign him before before camp starts I mean, we've seen them do it before, right? Jones has actually been mm-hmm. in this situation himself, right? And, and has gotten it done around the same time. Mahomes' contract was done mm-hmm. in the same time frame. We do still have this little window before they get to camp. But again, it's it's coming up. So it is really this week coming up, right? We're talking uh, July 9th. Um, and, and they kind of need to get it done before the July 20th-ish is when camp's getting going. So I, I would expect it, though. I would expect. I think Chris Jones last year cemented himself as as not just like a great player among among the NFL. I think I mean, I think last year he solidified himself as an all time kind of pass rusher player 
Um, obviously he, you know, he added some other stuff to his game, you know, being a very good run defender, which, which makes him all the more reason to maybe sign him. But it's not like we're talking about a, a Calias Campbell aged, you know, guy where he's, he's, you know, Chris Jones still going to have some elite years in him. Even if, if, uh, you know, maybe that last year, the deal, whatever he signs, uh, isn't, isn't as good as last year was. I mean, he's still going to be worth the money. Yeah, so I think, I think eventually it gets to that. Yeah, I, I think so too. And it's just odd. There's an odd process sitting around waiting for something like that to happen. Obviously, they could let him play out the last year of his contract uh, with that big cap number in place and just see what happens. But, you know, you, they don't like to sign a lot of people over 30. He's not yet there, but he's he's close enough. Uh, so it, it is um, – I'd say it's probably 50-50 chance at this point. Well, let's – But, let's, of course – while we're while we're talking about this, do you want to bring in Phil's question? Because I mean, he does ask us. Phil at Hamster One on Twitter did ask us about the Chiefs franchise tagging Chris Jones next year, right? Because if so, and this is what he says, it, uh, there's two more years of, of team control. You know that puts the Chiefs in the best contractual position, possibly, is what he's saying. It's a bit expensive, but avoids long term. Understood this approach uh, discounts relationship with Chris Jones, obviously, right? The personal relationship, so. I don't know. And, and we looked at franchise tag numbers right next year. It looks like defensive tackle would probably be around 20 million ish. Right. And that's what Chris Jones is roughly getting paid right now. Um, what do you think about that possibility? Do you kind of think about uh, that uh, if you're Brett Veach? I mean, is that the nuclear option here with a uh, uh, with a player on a, on a big contract that wants another big contract? Uh, players would hate that scenario. Right. It, Sure, it's two years of guaranteed money, pr- pretty close to the top of the position group, but you're going to take away his, two of his prime years without the ability for him to get that big signing bonus or that long-term deal. Uh, so I, I think you run a risk of, of, like you said, breaking the relationship and having a guy thinking about holding out and things like that when you start throwing the franchise tag weight around. But you, I do know that they use that as part of the negotiation, right? So when they're looking at his contract, I guarantee they're saying, all right, if we don't sign a long-term deal today, uh, here's what it would look like. So you're going to have this much guaranteed the next two years so as the floor, the starting point for, for his future contracts. So, you know, it's certainly in the team's best interest to get it done long-term. Yeah. They would have that option. And yeah, in theory, if, if a player was content enough with that, then it's not a bad option. You get two years without extending him further and and then you can you know make a move after that but i i think that it's i think that it is a a a tough negotiating tactic and probably something that would not go over well uh if if you actually said now nah, we're just gonna we're just gonna tag you and make you play on that no it is interesting because you know in most situations maybe like this or maybe you have a rookie deal that that's coming up where you want to extend him before he becomes a free agent and go to the franchise tag situation. The player is not getting the money that he deserves, right? You could argue Chris Jones is getting paid right now. What he, what he earned, you know, maybe he should, maybe he should get paid a little more, right? I mean, he's a dominant player, um, but he's already getting paid, you know, towards the top of the market um, as a defensive lineman in general. So, you know, maybe the Chiefs can kind of use that as a negotiation tactic. Like, you know, we can play hardball because, you know, hey, you're making money this year no matter what. And it's not because you're on this one year uh, franchise tag thing. It's part of your, you know, part of the contract we gave you, um, you know. So it, it will be an interesting situation. But again, if he does hold out, if this thing does get weird, right, which I don't anticipate it, we don't anticipate it. 
the Chiefs' second best pass rusher, I think, is is kind of up in the air. I don't think it's uh, the, we know who it mm-hmm. is, and I think we again, I I think there's some expectation, some hope, right? But would you do you have a, a clear answer in your head, or is it kind of up in the air to you too? Yeah, I mean, I, I still think it's it's absolutely up in the air, and and you brought in Charles Amenahu to be that guy, and, and I think there's some hope that he is. He's still an ascending player, had a monster year last year, really, uh, you know, coming into his own. Uh, as a rotational player, though, so he's he's not right to this point been that dominant single single player. And then after him, what do you have? George Karloftis, who you know had a good rookie season, but uh, is not you know a feared pass rusher in this league yet. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those. If you want to talk about leverage for Chris Jones, he could he could pretty easily say, "Who's the second best pass rusher after me?" on the team. And I'm not sure that there's a great answer. I think you got a bunch of guys who are, you know, as a, as a group end up being pretty good. Obviously last year, the team was second in the league in sacks and, and uh, uh, you know, with nobody really being a a dominant pass rusher other than Chris Jones. Right. But yeah, I mean, who who do you got other than Omenihu? I mean, Felix Enrique Ozama is a first round pick. So you could make the argument, uh, you know, that, someone like him should be able to be in that conversation. I do think in some ways he's going to be able to help right away, but I'm completely with you. I think it's, this team is death by a thousand paper cuts as a pass rush unit outside of Chris Jones. Like it really is, you know, we're just going to hustle, you know, all of us are going to hustle hard and we're just going to find that one weak spot in your line. And we're just going to hope our guy that whoever's in that spot, right. Whether it is Omenihu, Karloftis, FAU, uh, you know, we'll talk about Mike Dana uh, here a little later too, but you know, Tershawn Warden, someone underrated, someone maybe we're not thinking about as much because he was injured last season. They're just hoping that whoever, you know, whoever has that weak spot can take advantage of it, um, but not necessarily ever have a guy that's just going to overwhelm anybody he goes against. Um, but I do think if I'm going to make a prediction on who will be kind of like the guy we we can't like come, you know, towards the end of the season, like, OK, this is the guy we can trust the most in that situation. I do think Garloftis, I, I think, you know, he's going to get strong and, and strong, a little stronger and just, you know, he, he put up a sack a game towards the, you know, at, in the, down the stretch of the season last year. You know, I do, I do think just him playing a lot of uh, snaps and, and just maybe, you know, uh, feeling more comfortable in his, in his role in the, in the defense. I could see him, you know, kind of earning our trust as the, as the season goes on as the second guy. It'd be a great development if, if he continues on the path that he's already, reached about where i thought he would get so so if he's if he's exceeding that this year then then that's a huge development for this team i i do have a lot of hope for felix i think he's he's a player that i loved in the pre-draft process it's just we haven't seen him at all yet like not 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 even a little bit right so there's there's a complete unknown factor you know he could be the next big thing and and a steal and or he could be a complete wasted first round pick at this point. We we have absolutely no idea what he is. So I'm not really willing to bank on him yet uh, until we see, even in preseason. I think you'll you'll get some yeah. hint in preseason. Is he getting first team snaps, you know, second team snaps, and is he making the most of those? Uh, I think we'll know whether or not he's going to be a contributor pretty pretty early on. Yeah, and 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 I agree with that too but the thing uh i also want to talk on on many too because you did bring him up kind of as that first guy because because it is true i mean he's the he's the guy who signed the contract he's the guy who who to an extent has proven it in the league more so than carl loftus and 
you know, FAU obviously has just as a pass rusher, not as maybe a defensive end necessarily. But that's the thing is what a many who does best is kind of what Chris Jones does. And, and to an extent, they may need him to do more of that edge edge pass rush stuff. And, and I'm not quite sure if he's, if he's ready to be, you know, a, a reliable edge rusher yet, or, or if he's just going to have to rely on getting that guard and, you know, one-on-one and Hey, you know, that's great. But, a lot of guys can take advantage of that guard one-on-one when the center's sliding over for Chris Jones. That's that's that kind of the beauty of that role is that you can have your Tershawn Wharton, your Mike Dana, somebody else kind of do that because it's kind of an easier, you know, role for somebody. You know, you want your uh, your best pass rushers to be able to win, you know, one-on-one against an offensive tackle on the edge. And so it's yet to be seen if a many who's going to do that consistently. So that's where I'd say Karloftis maybe has the edge in my head right now. But um, unless you want to add anything else, Let's talk about another thing we don't know, Stags. We don't know about this team. Well, I'm going to throw one in here and say we don't know yet who the last couple wide receivers are going to be on this roster. I mean, we think we know. We've got – I think the top of the wide receiver room is pretty well set. But I still think there's some question mark. There's some intrigue coming into camp. You could see Ross or Ross or, uh, (laughs) you know, one of these other guys coming in and and really making a – uh, making a splash during camp and at least giving the Chiefs something to think about when it comes to that six wide receiver spot. And do they carry to, do they carry a seventh? Is that something they're willing to do this year, which is a little, would be a little bit unusual for them. Right. Exactly. It is. It would be unique, um, you know, cause they've even gone down to five at times going into a, a season, right. Where they've only had five on the active roster technically, and so, yeah, if you look at if you break it down, you know, you know that uh, MVS, you know, that Kadarius, Tony, Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice are all making this roster. There's no doubt about it. Right. We're, we're, no one's arguing that those guys are, are surprise cuts or anything. And so, yeah, that leaves you a group of like you got uh, guys that you mentioned, you know, because Justin Watson, as much as he contributed to this team last year, you know, there's a lot of times that we were kind of scratching our heads on why he was seeing the ball so much. And there's no guarantee he makes the team just because he was on the team last year. Um, you know, we're going to talk about him a little later. I'm excited about a guy like Richie James. You know, does he do enough to maybe su- supplant him, uh, you know, a guy like Justin Watson? And then they want to make that use that sixth spot for somebody else. Right. Uh, you know, one of these guys that, you know, a guy like Justin Ross that they've developed or tried to develop over the last couple of years. So I'm fascinated, too. But, you know, if I was to predict the six receivers, I would tell you that I think Watson and, and, and Richie James are the guys uh, in the last two. But you're right. I don't think we do know because once we get to camp, if, if if one of the Rosses and we'll talk about, you know, we'll, we'll talk about another, uh, you know, him a little later. But if one of the Rosses does show out enough, they both have a certain skill set that the team, you know, in theory might might want to use. Yeah, I, I think there's a possibility there. And I, I wouldn't rule out now with the way the, the roster rules have been put together. I wouldn't rule out them using the franchise. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wouldn't rule, rule out them using the practice squad. Uh, as as a way to expand that wide receiver room because there's some of these guys that haven't been seen in a long time. There's not going to be teams lined up to to take John Ross uh, off of the Chiefs practice squad because uh, he really hasn't been in the NFL for some time. He at least hasn't been an impact player uh, for for a long time. So there's there's a good chance that they're going to have, like you said, five or six on the active roster, but they may expand that roster by using the practice squad. And, and a guy like Justin Ross, who, again, has proven nothing yet, uh, but if they want to keep him around, they want to keep developing him, but he hasn't yet uh, done enough to make the roster, 
I wouldn't rule out him being a practice squad candidate because uh, a lot of people think that he'd get swallowed up the second he got caught. But I think there's a lot of players like him in this league uh, that, that wouldn't be there. Well, and there is something too. The Chiefs have had him in in house, so you know it's it's one of those things that other teams may not feel comfortable, you know, using a spot. And and you know, as much as we think Justin Ross is this unicorn player, uh, you know, when he if he is healthy, you know, it's been a couple draft sack cycles now. You know, younger guys come in. You know, teams kind of forget about the other guys. So there, I think you're right. I think Justin Ross, you know, could be more easily not for sure, but more easily stashed on the practice squad than maybe people think. If he's healthy, you know, even if he is healthy in the preseason, you know, if he sh- even if he shows out in, in a game. But I think another one on the offensive side, too, would be like, do we know for sure that they upgraded at offensive tackle? Just the general overall position. Um, you know, I think in theory, I think everyone we get excited about Jawan Taylor, the signing. And, and I and, and I am excited about him. He is a good pass blocker. Um, but. You know, Andrew Wiley was a very solid player and knew the system towards the end. And Orlando Brown Jr., I would say, is a solid player as well, obviously. A very, you know, a a functional player. Just obviously, you know, maybe his ceiling was maybe limited. You know, the Chiefs are putting, you know, a Donovan Smith that you could make the argument is the exact same profile, you could say, uh, you know, in that that situation. Um, You know, maybe even a little older. um, Coming off maybe an even worse year than maybe Brown had, uh, you could debate. So, you know, is it yet to be seen that we actually did see the Chiefs upgraded offensive tackle, or are we going to get to the season and realize that it's it's actually closer than we think? What do you think? I think it's going to be close. Um, I do think that Jawan Taylor is a pretty clear upgrade. If he stays at right tackle, it's a pretty clear upgrade. He's he's going to be the best right tackle they've had, you know, since Mitchell Schwartz. I think that's I don't think that's too much of an I overstatement. Agree. Now, if he if he takes over left tackle. You know, then it's more of an unknown. But if the way they're lining up today, if it's Donovan Smith at left and Juwan Taylor at right, then I would say chances are it's going to be as good or better than last year. So I, I think it's pretty safe to say that, you know, if if Taylor's a big upgrade at right tackle and if Smith is at least in the ballpark of where Brown was last year, uh, if you maybe slight downgrade at left tackles, big upgrade at right tackle, cancel each other out, you're probably at least as well off, if not better. So if those guys are healthy and those guys are the starters, I think it's a better room overall because don't forget Wanya Morris is there and and yeah. Rubens Niang is here and healthy. Um, you know, I think you've got second year Darren Kennard. There, you've got a handful of, of depth players. This might be the deepest group they've had for sure. And then on top of that, at the top end, at least as good. I feel like it's a, a pretty much a given, but that could be, you know, up in the air if they decide to switch stuff around in camp, uh, or maybe Smith doesn't look right and they and they go a different direction. There could be there could be some things that change in that assumption, but uh, I feel pretty confident in saying they're at least as good, if not better. I would probably agree. I think the one thing with Taylor is he he looks impressive in pass protection, but he does have some work to do as a run blocker. But this is where maybe we just need to trust Andy Heck that he's going to get the most out of these uh, these guys, uh, you know, as they kind of get into the system, you know, right away in their first year here. Do you have something else we do not know about the Chiefs heading into camp? This has been my campaign all offseason, but how do they function without a fullback? There's no, uh, you know, this is not a big part of the offense, and it's not going to upend what they do. 
But it's something that we don't know. Are they going to go away from using a fullback at all? Uh, are they going to realize they need one and sign somebody off the street? Is it going to be the Noah Gray show uh, or, or Blake Bell? I mean, there's there's some things up in the air just about how they how they best leverage that position, that tight end slash fullback position. Uh, and so I think, you know, I don't think they're going to dramatically miss having a true fullback on the roster, but I do think there's going to be some changes in the offense coming and, and the way that they've constructed this, this skill position group might mean that there'll be some new stuff for, for gray, new stuff for bell. Maybe they keep, you know, extra tight ends and, and things like that. So this will be fun to watch how that, how they just, move past what they used to do there. I totally agree. I think that's, that's a fun one um, because, you know, I I've been kind of look thinking about it lately. Cause I have been looking at the tight ends for an article, uh, you know, that should drop on the, on the site this week. And just, you know, you kind of just in your head, when you think about a tight end and a fullback, uh, the two different positions, you know, for some reason, you know, maybe, and maybe this is just me, but I, I kind of think of a tight end as maybe just, you know, a little lankier and obviously they usually are right. But, when you think about it, I mean, tight ends are kind of the same weight, kind of, you know, they're actually bigger, so they should be able to take, you know, kind of take on blocks against defensive end linebackers even better, you would think. There's something about obviously having the lower center of gravity that helps in some of those instances, but when you watch Noah Gray, he's a quick dude. He gets going um, as as kind of that H-back off-ball uh, tight end, you know, uh, that's what they use in most of their two-back run game it looks like it's a it's a two tight end set but technically when when the h-back is the one doing the pull in the counter or the kick out on power he's kind of playing a fullback role and they do that with noah gray plenty they've done that with blake bell plenty they just you know they don't line up in the i formation uh you know as much as as maybe they used to but they will obviously we've seen it plenty you know on those third and one fourth and ones they haven't been good in those situations right so maybe this is them saying look let's just not even worry about ever being traditional in those situations. And let's always kind of work in that, in that flex mode where, you know, cause as soon as you have a fullback come on the field, the defense is going to be able to, to defend you in a certain way, right? You have a, a kind of a, a no, you're using one of your skill position players as a, as a non threat. Right. And so you're kind of eliminating that with, with how the chiefs might be attacking now, although Blake Bell, I mean, come on, is he that much of a threat? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> no, I, I, you kind of get got into a point that I was I was going to there is that the the way they've used the fullback on offense in recent years has been a little bit predictable. It got a little bit stale. Yeah. It got a little bit like, oh, he's on the field. You know what's coming, and they were able to stop it, and especially in short yardage. So I think there's an opportunity there for them to be less predictable by using different personnel groups uh, and getting somebody else on the field. Yeah, no, that I, that's I think it's a good point. We've been touting it, Stags. I, me and you, I think ever since we started this podcast, that's one of our uh, summer themes every year is talking about if they're going to do it. So, uh, so it's kind of fun to kind of see them maybe do it. And next thing you know, before this pot even drops, they'll be signing a fullback. So, so. <laughs> that's right. We're waiting for that other shoe to drop, but it'll be interesting. Again, maybe new wrinkles to the to the offense that we haven't seen before, or maybe they're just going to line up and do you know do exactly what they were doing before with just Noah Gray instead of, you know, Anthony Sherman or, or, uh, uh, you know, the, who was, who was last year's fullback, Mike, 
Michael Burton now in Denver Michael with Burton. his old with his old coach Sean Forget, Payton. Forgotten already. So yeah, <laughs> we'll see how that that plays itself. No, out. no love for the the all time fullbacks. Uh, you know, Super Bowl winning fullbacks. Stags. <laughs> you know, put some respect. That's right. Uh, okay, what, what I want to go for, for unknowns. Right. One more last thing here, maybe before we uh, we get on to some other stuff here. I think the one thing on defense, you know, I think last year seeing all these rookies develop, seeing the youth of the team kind of grow into this core that we saw win a Super Bowl together. I think there's a lot of actually we know about the defense. I think we can feel good about, you know, we talked about the pass rushing thing, but that has a lot to do with Chris Jones. I think the one thing kind of behind the pass rushers that I would say is a question is how exactly is Drew Tranquil going to come in and impact this team? Um, Is he going to come in and just blow up the linebacker position in terms of, he is a veteran. He has been in this league. He has played in a in a good defense. They have at times the Chargers are one of the you know elite defenses in the NFL. He's the type of linebacker that is can play 100% of the snaps because he can play in that dime. Um, he can play obviously just in, in in regular situations as the Mike. He's used to that. He's been the green dot uh, for the Chargers at times. Um, I'm not sure how exactly long uh, he was for his four years there, but all that to say is. I love this linebacker group. There's so many good, so much talent, so many good players, so many fun players. That's why it's one of my most exciting uh, positions to watch in training camp. If if, if you're going to be there, you know, go go watch the linebackers, see how they how they're doing. But Drew Tranquil, man, this this guy might come in and 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 kind of blow it up a little bit, and 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 you know, kind of might put some guys aside. We've talked about it, but just I want to highlight him though because he is a good player. He might just be a really high-impact player that was kind of an underrated signing uh, back in the spring. Yeah, he's a very inexpensive signing. It's one of those things you don't expect to have a massive impact in a linebacker room that we feel like was pretty good, you know, and and especially with all of our hopes hanging on Willie Gay Jr.'s development, uh, that maybe maybe that just isn't going to come fully to fruition. Maybe Drew Tranquil is going to be even more the guy that, than Gay was last year. I think there's – a wide range of what you might see from Tranquil this year. But I suspect he's going to be an impact player and, and it's going to cut into Willie Gay's snaps and and even Leo Chanel, if he develops, might do the same. This linebacker room could be different than what we thought it was. We know who Nick Bolton is, but everybody else might be evolving in their roles this year. But I do think they took this, this position to much greater heights with with the Drew Tranquil signing either way. So it'll be fun to watch them, you know, compete for, for snaps. And, you know, what's funny is, and this is something I, you know, I'm just kind of thinking about as we're talking here. And, and it's just the linebacker position right now is so undervalued in the NFL because it feels like you need everything else. And, and you see it with the chiefs and we've talked about it already, but how they attack the linebacker position with their tight ends and, 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 you know, with with the running backs, you know, in the red zone, it's it's because that's kind of the weakest position group normally for most teams. What are the Chiefs kind of doing? They're zagging, right? They're zagging by strengthening that group. And while I think a lot of teams may be kind of getting ready to offenses, I should say, are getting ready to maybe, you know, form their teams to do that because the linebacker position has become so undervalued. The Chiefs are going to be ready to to, to attack uh, teams trying to kind of maybe take advantage of their linebackers. So. Just kind of a you know philosophy thought there for you. It'll be really good to see the the middle of this defense be a strength and not something that can be exploited. And and I think going into this season, you know, if you look at ways that this team could improve, the defense can improve a lot by being sound up the middle, by being able to cover guys over the middle of the field, whether that's the safeties 
evolving, the, the linebackers being better in coverage, that was a weakness. And, and if you can turn that into a strength, you know, then everything else works better. There's uh, there's more opportunities to, to rush the passer and everything else if you're able to get some stops uh, over the middle. Oh well, yeah, that's that's uh, I, I was gonna say it's probably time we need to talk about my underrated positions or underrated player stacks because I know you, you're 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 itching and scratching to to uh, to react to it. So I wrote about three <laughs> underrated players on on the site uh, last week, uh, just talking about guys that I think you know obviously are going to make maybe more of an impact than than maybe the the average person would think right now when you look at the roster. And I just want to give you all three of them right now, and, and I want you to just maybe react uh, in general um, because I gave I put down defensive end Mike Dana, wide receiver Richie James, and then your favorite running back Clyde Edwards Elaire. Those are my three guys. Stags. Any reaction to those, or anyone that I missed out on? Anyone that I uh, I snubbed? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, of those three, you know, I've always had strong feelings about Clyde and and where he stands on this team. I feel like he has gotten to the point where he's criminally underrated. I think he's somebody that's been all but written off by most Chiefs fans and and could still be an impact player. He could still get to, you know, he could still be a guy that scores a lot of touchdowns for this team and, and moves the ball. And I think he's he's a guy that hopefully is, is part of their plans because you need a healthy rotation at, at the running back position because people get hurt all the time. Yes, I know he's been that guy that's gotten hurt a lot, but – uh, so, no, I, I'll mostly agree with Clyde. I'm going to argue with you a little bit on Mike Dana because Dana, I think, has been a very solid player in his tenure. But he's never been a really good player. And and I think he's just he's just a guy out there. He's a he's a part of the rotation, eats up snaps, is in the right places. But I don't see him really being an impact player for this team at all. Um, and, and I hear just a lot of love for Mike Dana. And, and I don't, again, I don't hate the player or the person, of course. Uh, I just wonder, have we gotten out ahead of ourselves by taking a very, very underrated player and almost overhyping him at this point? So you're saying he's, he's probably more properly rated as is maybe um, as, as kind of maybe just a solid depth guy. That's what most people think of him. Right. So he's, he's, you, cause because I think I think you're probably right uh, to an extent that uh, well no I, I'm I'm not saying actually I'm not I'm I'm arguing with you Sags don't worry about that <laughs> um, but I, I I do think you know in general when people think of of Mike Dana you know I think they they think of uh, you know maybe more than than he is but my argument here is why he's maybe underrated um, is because his his role and value to the team and we've talked about this on the podcast but the defensive end position right now. When you, you know, Karloftis obviously is going to be your number one guy. He's going to be taking, you know, the most snaps of the defensive ends, you know, on all downs. He's going to, he should be playing all downs, every down possible, right? That other side, opposite of him, you're talking about either a first round rookie who has already missed a good chunk of the, the offseason uh, due to an injury. Uh, you know, obviously, I think he did get back on the field for minicamp and should be all good for training camp. So not too big a deal. Charles Omenihue, not an not your traditional defensive end. We're going to kind of see maybe if Spags can can work. You know, uh, Joe Joe Colin can work his magic, and and you know we trust him to maybe make him a a solid guy. I'm just saying, Mike Dana is a guy that's been here, has been productive as a run defender and a a sacker. He had five sacks last year. That's that's a pretty good number for a Chiefs defensive end. Yeah. We don't see guys get up there as Chiefs defensive ends under Spags. I would say I that. Admit. 
I got to admit, I, that surprised me a little bit. I, I was just double checking his stats on my on my phone as we were talking, and I did not remember him having five last year. Five. Yeah, five I got, it got me too. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it got me too. Sadly, five sacks is kind of Frank Frank Clark country at this point, you know, and, and territory. And so, uh, you know, maybe uh, uh, maybe he's a, a sneaky sneaky pass rusher uh, when it comes to his his role on the team. Right. And, and so I, I guess my main point on it, too, was was he has that pass rush, you know, kind of in that his back pocket where he can be that inside rusher. We kind of talked about, you know, taking advantage of, of, of Chris Jones getting double teamed, you know, in certain situations. But he actually might be the one that Joe Cullen or Spags might, you know, trust right at first to start opposite Karloftis in the first and second down situations. And so when you think about it like that, he seems like right now he might be the fourth defensive end in the depth chart. Uh, you know, in terms of excitement uh, and maybe even if you want to get excited about BJ Thompson, uh, you know, who we probably think is, is a year or two away from, from, from being an impact player. Uh, Dana's just kind of, you know, you, you can kind of overlook him, but I, I do think he's going to have a, a quite the impact kind of be that glue guy of the defensive end room this year. All right. Maybe you're selling me on him a little bit, uh, but uh, uh, your other underrated guy is like, frankly, somebody I put in, in market movers last week as a, as a sleeper, uh, a value pick at this point and, and another, you know, relatively cheap free agent acquisition that could pay pretty big dividends this year. in Richie James, I, I like his ability. I was actually surprised by his, um, by, by his ability as a receiver going back and watching a little bit of him last year with the giants. He's got a, a, a way about him that is uh, you know, I think he, I think he can make an impact as a receiver is what I'm trying to say. I think he's, he can run some of the McCole Hardman type stuff uh, and and maybe a little bit of the old Tyreek playbook, even, uh, certainly not going to be on the same level as him, but I think he's somebody that can, that can get you snaps and can get some production. Yeah, I, I said in the article, when they signed James, it was – I was the one who underrated him. I was like, yeah, you know, he's he's just kind of maybe a, a guy kind of in that John Ross mold uh, where you bring him into camp and just, you know, Corey Coleman last year was a name that came to mind. But I, I the more you, like you just said, the more you watch Richie James, especially in that Giants offense where it was not, you know, a, a wide receiver friendly offense. That offense wanted to get the ball to the tight ends, the running back, run Daniel Jones. Um, you know, they they kind of knew what was happening. He had 600 yards in that offense, and 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 that would, didn't happen by accident. Yeah, I, I think Richie James absolutely could be a guy that, if you know, knock on wood, and I do have a wooden desk right here, so don't worry. If you know, if Kadarius Tony does, you know, get a little banged up, he's someone that I think could could pretty seamlessly step into the role. Maybe not have the same ceiling as a playmaker, you know, just an open space, but absolutely do the role. And, and again, like you already mentioned, you know, that's that Tyreek McColl, you know, some of that stuff is, is kind of what I'm talking about. And so I do think he could be a productive receiver in the offense. And and again, I, I think the underrated uh, the underrated part or that's what makes him underrated. But the thing is, I think he's making the roster for sure, because someone's got to return kicks on this team. And, it, and, and I think it's going to be him. So that's that's where I come to uh, come do it with Richie James. You bet. Well, it's probably about time to take a break to hear a word from our sponsors. Uh, but as we go to break, instead of our typical "Would you rather," Ryan, you have another uh, another trivia, you know, riddle, riddle, mystery to solve here. Chiefs riddle time. Uh, I'm I'm gonna get these harder and harder as we go. But uh, I'm you know we're starting off with you know to get the to get the game rolling. We're we're, we're starting off with some uh, you know I I would hope. 
anyone listening should get this. Uh, but let's see. Stags, this is a drafted defensive player in the first round in the mid-2000s. I'm a Chiefs player. Didn't make my first Pro Bowl until my seventh season in the league. But ended up a franchise leader in a statistic. That is the riddle. Who am I? What all-time Chiefs player? We will talk about it on the other side. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us on the Out of Structure podcast. Matt Stagner with Ron Cobb Jr. on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. Ron took us to break with a riddle about a Chiefs player drafted in the mid-2000s. Mid-2000s? On defense, right? And what was the rest of the clue? He didn't make his first Pro Bowl until his seventh season. And he became a franchise leader in just one single statistic. But he did become the all-time leader eventually. All right. I'm going to go with Derek Johnson and saying that the statistic is tackles. You are a smart man. Two for two so far, Stags. I'm, I'm, I've, I've given you some, you know, some, I may just sweat a little bit, right? Because, you know, Tomba, you know, you, you maybe think Tomba for a second, but no, he, he obviously didn't surpass DT and sacks. Uh, so that's, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you got it. DA. Yeah, I thought you were going deep into the coffers with, with a Glenn Dorsey reference or something, but uh, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you no, we'll, with, with stags. We'll we'll heat you up. We'll heat you up. Don't worry. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna get them going as we, as we get as we get going. But uh, well, let's get to what else we got going today. Well, you had something uh, something funny that you saw in the news as we were talking about the evolution of the Chiefs linebacker room and some of the turnover that they've <laughs> had with with uh, veteran players. Uh, what did Josh Allen say this week that that reminded you of some recent Chiefs uh, greats? Oh, yeah, man. This is why I love Twitter and why I can't stay away. Uh, and this is on a podcast, Bustle with the Boys. 
Um, you know, Taylor Lewan, Will Compton, former NFL players. Uh, I guess Taylor Lewan's not retired yet, but Josh Allen got on the bus with them and they were they were talking to, and Will Compton, obviously a uh, a a white linebacker, a pale skinned linebacker. Uh, he he uh, Josh Allen was saying, you know, if if you were on the field against me, I'd be I'd be I'd be audible in milk. I'd be calling the milk call. Will's like, oh, what what's what's a milk call? Well, apparently. When the quarterback sees a uh, a certain you know Caucasian linebacker uh, you know uh, uh, out on the field, maybe in a one on one coverage against a tight end, somehow against a slot receiver, maybe I don't know how that happens. You know, maybe against a running back. Josh Allen just likes to call milk. You know, he just likes to call milk. And uh, you know, I, I I think this just cracked me up because if you think about Josh Allen's career, you know, I, I don't know if a lot of teams had as many white linebacker safety hybrid guys playing in important downs and pass coverage situations just like that than the Chiefs did. I, I think the Chiefs probably heard tons of milk calls. Ben Neiman probably hears it in his sleep. Uh, Dan Sorensen, you know, we, we, we saw Dawson Knox get him a few times. I got to imagine that might, there might have been some milk calls on, the, on those plays. So uh, I don't know. I, it cracked me up just thinking about it. Yeah, that's, that's funny. It, it does. That was immediately where my head went when you said – he kind of told me the story about what he was talking about. I'm like, oh, he is he talking about Sorensen <laughs> and Neiman like explicitly here? Now that probably won't be an issue this year, unless unless maybe you get Leo Chanel in coverage too much, and then yeah, then he might. Hear I don't it. know. Drew, I mean, Drew. I mean, I, I you know I have faith in my, our guy. I mean, we haven't seen him on the field in the red and gold yet, but uh, he he did go to Notre Dame. If that tells you anything, he he is he is white. So uh, no, that's bad. That was bad. <laughs> 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 all right well but it's a milk call a milk call is a milk call hey a milk call is a milk call that's all i'm saying i, I didn't make it up i didn't make it up <laughs> all right we're we're towing the line here but speaking of uh funny names let's let's go let's have let's a little fun here and talk all-time chiefs best names and instead of just making a list uh we're gonna make it a competition and and like we've done in the past we're going to do a draft of all-time best Chiefs names. Yes. And, and, and this could be best as funniest, best as most unusual, uh, best as most fitting. I was going through <laughs> kind of – I have them in some categories here on, on my list, so we'll, we'll see how it lines oh, that's up. That's awesome. Yours. That's great. Let's do we're it. Gonna, we're going to give you the first pick since uh, you're typically way worse at these things than I am. And uh, that's true. That's fair. That's fair. I appreciate it, Stags. I, I, uh, I think that is deserved. I was, I'm 0 for 1 in our uh, draft head for heads or head to heads. Well, the, the Chiefs have had some interesting cast of characters over the years. Uh, I'm wondering, I'm curious to see how far you're going back in your names, but uh, who is the number one pick, the all time, the GOAT, the, the top draft pick in terms of Chiefs names in, in history? Man, that's the thing. It, there are some ones that I want to pick because they're my favorite, but I, I think I can wait, right? I'm going to play the value game because I don't think you're going to – maybe you didn't think about them, although I don't know. I know you. You're, you're a studier. You, you, uh, you, you did your research. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, with good old – the old-fashioned. I'm going to steal it from you. I'm, I'm going to go Boomer Grigsby, number one overall. I mean, that's just – I mean, it sounds like Grizzly, Boomer Grizzly. I mean, he's a linebacker <laughs> slash fullback. Dude played both ways, had a mohawk at it at that at, at one time. I mean, just 
just what you would think. And like you said, like this is exactly what you said. And I'm I'm sure I'm I'm spoiling your draft board here because it's just entirely fitting, right? Boomer Gr- Boomer Grigsby, Boomer Grizzly. He looks exactly like that. So yeah. uh there we go. I'm I gotta take him one overall. Yeah, Boomer is I mean, if you said the word boomer and you're like, hey, he happens to be a football player. You're like, oh, that's got to be a, either a linebacker or a fullback, and and the fact that he was both, I mean, that's that's <laughs> that's a solid choice. That's a solid choice. Let's see. So again, I was going through a bunch of different categories here uh, of of names. So so you kind of went with the one that's in the fitting category. This is this is a name that fits the player, that fits the man, uh, that fits the position right. he played. Uh, we got a few of those out there, um, but I'm going to go with. Uh, another linebacker uh, that probably has heard a couple of milk calls in his day. I'm going with Scott Fajita uh, Love with, it. with the uh, all-time great nickname of Steak Fajita. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> Scott, yes. Scott Fajita, it's just a fun name to say, uh, lends itself to, to some nicknames like, like Steak Fajita. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's pick number two. Steak fajitas. I, I'm a little too young. I don't. I, I wasn't around for the uh, whatever message boards that you guys were. Were uh, I guess AP was probably it was probably where you were making those jokes. I guess maybe. I guess maybe. I don't know if it was that old. Oh man, Scott fajitas. I love it. All right. Well, for my second pick, this is a personal favorite. I'm just gonna go ahead and take it because it's just a great name. This is just one where you just love to say it. Um, and he's in. And he's he's still in the league, so you know maybe one day there's a little reunion, so we can say it more. But Raheem Nunez Roches, one of my favorite names of all time, Chiefs history. The three names, just a great little, you know, you can get the Raheem, get a little Nunez, get the little, you know, get the little tongue rolling at the end. Roches, oh man, that's that's just a great name, Stacks. I had to go with it. That is a great name. That's that's a name that's uh, I. I forgot about. It. I did not put him in my on my list here, so could have waited. Uh, that's on a good him. pull. I'm going to go with for my next pick. So this is what the uh, this is the Second fourth pick, pick in the yeah, 2023 exactly. Chiefs yeah. name draft. Um, I'm going to go with the current Chiefs player and one that uh, that I think is fun, also fun to say, but he's in his own category here in a different category than what we talked about before. Because anytime someone is actually royalty, you know they've got a good name. Uh, Prince Tega Winogo, uh, many people are surprised to hear that his name isn't Prince. His, his, he is a prince, uh, and, and that's why his name is Prince Tega Winogo. Uh, so that's a fantastic name to say. I hope he sticks around as, as a uh, as a depth, you know, swing tackle type player. I think he's developed a lot over the years. But Prince Tega Wonogo, being a literal prince, uh, puts him in a in a good category in my head. That's a good one. I didn't have him on the list. That's 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 a good one. You're right because I think originally on his in his career they had on the back of his jersey it was Tega Wonogo instead of and I think they changed it now. It's just Wonogo because obviously it's his mm-hmm. first name is is Tega. There you go. All right. All right. Here we go with my third pick. I'm, I'm going to do it uh, again. Another milk caller. We're getting we're getting more milk callers here. Uh, Mike Maslowski. I mean, come on. 
I mean, you know, from from yeah. Monsters Inc. Straight out of Monsters Inc. Uh, you know, and and <laughs> obviously he just had a great story too. You know, a guy that special teamer all of a sudden became you know a, a pretty key piece to you know those Trent Ge- the defenses in the Trent Green years. So shout out Mike Mazlowski, fun name to say. I'm gonna go back a little bit before your time, uh, before my time, before anybody's time on our site. Uh, another name that fits the position beautifully and and not uh, not surprisingly, um, it, it was also a fullback. And this was a fullback that was taken in the first round of his NFL draft out of Big Spring, Texas. Um, he played fullback, halfback, and kicker in his NFL career. Um, did a little bit of everything. This is somebody that that I wasn't super familiar with, uh, but Jack Spikes. Oh. Jack Spikes is, is a great football name. That's an all-timer <laughs> right there. Pulling from, from the original AFL days. Um, did just a little bit of everything. And, uh, uh, again, for a first-round pick to be a fullback, uh, you know, again, we just don't see that stuff anymore. That is a great one. That is a great one. And so I feel like off of that, I feel like I have to go with this guy because it's it's another one. Of, it's it's another kind of just a great football name. Bam Morris running back Sylvester Morris. But his name was Bam. Bam Morris was how he was known. And he brought the band. That was a big old boy running it. I, I didn't get the pleasure of watching him live, but I know my chief sister enough to uh, know he was. He brought the band when he ran. So, uh, Bam Morris, my fourth pick. We're in the fourth round. All right. With my next pick, <laughs> I'm going to go um, to another current Chief player. The odds of me taking two current Chiefs was pretty low as I put this list together. But every time I see and hear this name, I think that is not a real person, and he is definitely not on the Chiefs roster. Uh, we're going with Ty Fryfogel. I mean, come on. <laughs> Ty Fryfogel. <laughs> this can't be a real a person. One. Can't be a current chief player, uh, but it is. Yeah, Fryfogel is really funny. Yeah, that's uh French fry and then it's like uh Fogel. Oh, what, what's that? Uh what's There's a movie that's so that's super bad. Yeah. That's, that's I think oh bad. yeah, that is. You're right. Yes. Yes, good call. Good call. Well, there, yeah, there's another good. I'm surprised that was that's Mick real name. There you go. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, there's a, there's another good one on the current roster uh, that that's that's a great name to just say that 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 we might have to get to at some point. But no, I still have to go back a little bit uh, to get my next pick. Um, there's some good ones, and I don't know how many rounds are going. I think we should go f- uh, if we're saying five. I mean, this is the last pick of the of the draft, and so I got to make. This I think we're doing five. good. Let's go seven. I got some value picks left over. All right, seven rounds. Well then. I'm taking just a, a, a another fun one, just just a just a fun one. Junior Hemingway. I mean, come on, name's Junior Hemingway. I mean, just just I don't remember Hemingway, some famous writer, I think, famous poet, maybe. I should probably know that, uh, but uh, <laughs> yes. I don't. Ernest Hemingway is, is one That's of the famous authors of all time. Yeah. Yes. Hey, I I I I kind of knew that. So yeah, Junior Hemingway. Just just. I'm pretty person. sure that was not his dad. Despite the junior name, I'm pretty sure that was not his dad. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. All right. For, from, from my next pick, I'm going to go, 
let's see, to another aptly named player from a few years back, had a brief run with the Chiefs, probably was more famous for his, uh, his combine workout in some ways uh, than his brief Chiefs career. It felt promising for a little bit, but it didn't go, didn't go as expected. Um, I'm going with a defensive lineman named Tank Tyler. Oh, that's you got a defensive lineman with the name Tank. I mean, that is a, a his first name was actually Lamont, but he went by Tank Tyler, six foot two, 325 pounds. Uh, I got to get the number on his bench press, but it was a uh, it was a lot. Uh, we'll say it that way. He was a big, strong dude. Uh, with we had high hopes for him, but uh, it was a brief tenure on the Chiefs. I, I would almost tell you for your for if you pick Tank Tyler, you automatically get Turk McBride with it because uh, I just feel like that was that was the whole thing. Bonus. Turk and Tank. I'll take that. Yeah, he he did do. Uh, let's see, forty two reps on the bench press of two twenty five. Oh my uh, which god, which is pretty solid. <laughs> he was he was. I'm not sure I can do forty two reps back to back of anything, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Turk Turk and Tank were a brief combo that that worked out. Uh, that was fun for a while. All right. Well, I got to, I, I, I can't, we can't go too long without uh, my, my, this was kind of almost the first guy I thought of when we, when we thought of this exercise and I'm pretty sure it's Dino, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it wrong. Dino Hackett. Cause come on. I mean, Dino Hackett, like that's just an, that's just a great name. Dinosaur Hackett, uh linebacker from the nineties. Uh, I, I don't know much about him besides that, but just that he had an awesome name. <laughs> That's that's all I know. He had an epic. He had, this is back in the days of big, big pads, right? So he had the epic neck roll pad, you know, <laughs> just a hard hitting linebacker. Hell yeah, uh, yeah. For back in, in the era of when when I really started watching the Chiefs, to bring close to him. So yeah, that's that's a good pull. Dino Hackett's a great pull from the nineties Chiefs, a hard nosed linebacker with a the great name and a, and a great set of shoulder pads and, and uh, neck roll to, to go with it. Uh, I'm going to go way back again, just to try to represent the old folks on the pod. That's what I do at Arrowhead pride. I'm the, the, the longest tenured member of the team. So I got to represent the, the days gone by. Uh, so I'm going back to the defensive line and going with an all timer curly culp. Oh. Curly Culp was part of you know some epic Chiefs teams back in the day. He's now a you know he's now a Hall of Famer. Is that right? Uh, actually, yeah, I think he's just a Chief. Up. I think he's just a Chiefs Hall of Famer. Chiefs Hall of Famer. Um, he was uh, drafted in 1968 and uh, um, came to the Chiefs and was part of those early championship level teams. Uh, just, just an all-time great name, Curly Culp. Alliteration always uh, helps the, elevate the name status. Oh, I totally agree. Alliteration is a big part of it. Uh, no, it's, and and honestly, there's a few that I want to go with the alliteration aspect for this last pick. We're in the seventh round. There's some classics. There's some just weird names. Uh, I'll probably save. I'll probably save the weird ones for. Uh, for the honorable mention, because I'm trying to win this. I'm trying to beat you here. All-time name. Oh, man, this is tough for the last pick. But I'm going to go ahead and go. Oh, man, this is tough, Stags. This is tough. 
you know, I'd not, I would not be a good GM. Um, mm, all right, here we go. I think Buck Buchanan. I think Buck Buchanan's a okay. great name. There we go. I was, and and I'll spoil it. I don't know if you're gonna, uh, you, you you may not have been taking us for your seventh pick, but him or Bobby Bell was gonna be my seventh pick for that alliteration aspect. I mean, Bobby Bell's wow. a great name, but. But Buck Buchanan, I don't know. That's that's pretty. That's a little more intimidating. Bobby Bell's a little, a little. I don't know. I'm, I'm not gonna say he's not intimidating, but the name could be a little more intimidating. <laughs> All right. For my final pick, I'm going with another uh, disappointing draft pick from 2001. Third round draft pick that only lasted one season with the Kansas City Chiefs. His entire career as a wide receiver, uh, he had 34 receptions and one touchdown. But he has an epic name, uh, Marvin Snoop Menace. Uh, Marvin Snoop Dwayne Menace being his full name. Uh, Snoop Menace is my final pick uh, of the draft. Yep. I, I was waiting for that one. Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. But you just reminded me, and I know we we just we th- that's the draft. That's it. But man, did I just mess up because there was a great name. Uh, where is it? I'm trying to find it right now. Uh, at the Crafonzo Crif- Thorpe was that what I was thinking of? Didn't we punt it? We drafted a punter. At oh some yeah, Crafonzo Thorpe. That's right. We yeah. drafted a. He wasn't the punter. Yeah, I forgot about him. I swear there was a. No, he was a receiver. Yeah. Well, that's funny. Anyway, uh, that that's a good one, though. I you you pulled some ones that I did not have. So so shout out you. We had we had a deep draft board. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go honorable mentions. Yeah, just, just throw throw some down real quick. Uh, Dex Dexter McCluster, Keith Cash, Byron Pringle should deserve a, a shout out. Elmo Wright. Uh, you know Dan Salamua, Chester McLaughlin. There you go. You got any other ones? <laughs> All right. Those are your honorable mentions or otherwise known as your undrafted free agents there. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. I got, I got a handful here. How about going back to the, if you're a ruler, then you, you get special treatment. So how about Napoleon Harris? And then I'm going to go, I'm going to go way back one more time to 1961 and there was a linebacker named Smokey Stover. Smokey Stover is a fantastic oh, name. Oh man, that is um, an all-time. I'm going to throw in for sure. I'm, I'm going to throw in uh, Andre Bad Moon Rising, uh, yeah. Sylvester Morris, and Elmo Wright on, on my list here. There you go. No, the the one on the active roster, I'm surprised neither of us did was DiCaprio Boodle. I mean, that's just a, I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio Boodle. Like, come on, I mean, that's a that's an all timer. <laughs> um, but but no, it, it, there's just some great ones. There's some great ones. So I think that's a that, that was that was a fun time stack. We'll have to let the people on Twitter though decide. We'll have to get, get a tweet out seeing uh, who who thinks we had a better who had the better draft of of just all time names. There you go. All right. Well, while we're at it, let's let's go ahead and wrap up with a couple more questions of yours from Twitter. Uh, mailbag questions is is a big part of this uh, big part of this podcast, and we appreciate those of you who are continuing to ask questions even in the quiet time of the season. So, how about this question uh, from Scott Weldon? The Chiefs have seen a lot of too high shells over the past few seasons. 
we've been pretty successful in adapting to it with this matriculate the ball down the field method. With that success, do you see the defenses changing again? And if so, what will that next trend be? What will defenses do next to try to stop the Chiefs? Ron, what do you think? Yeah, no, that's the thing. The Chiefs last year kind of started an offensive trend, I would say, in the NFL by leaning more on the multiple tight end sets, um, you know, throwing out of those formations, the under center kind of traditional 12, 13 personnel sets. And so defenses, you know, right now, because they've been gotten so used to the spread uh, offense, they've kind of gotten lighter, right? A lot of lighter personnel. And so that's where maybe teams can take advantage of, of you know, and the Chiefs did, like I said, multiple tight ends, maybe kind of downhill running more, you know, taking advantage of these light linebackers. Well, what the defenses are going to do to maybe uh, to maybe counter that is if you have all these light guys on the field, maybe we just need to trust our man coverage more, right? Maybe we just need to trust that we're going to play man coverage with with one or two safeties over the top and just kind of force, you know, kind of be aggressive on defense. You know, I mean, at, at, you know, at some point, if you're going to, you know, it, right now, if they're going to play so soft, play so you know, deep in the zone, like the Chiefs have had to counter over and over these last couple of years, you know, the offenses are going to to reverse that. And, and, and the Chiefs did that last year. That's why they won a Super Bowl. The Eagles were another team that, you know, they had that ground and pound ability to them to kind of take advantage of light, lighter personnel defenses. So what defenses need to do is if you're not going to be able to get heavier guys and, and kind of, you know, uh, take advantage of that. Uh, you just got to be more aggressive, right, uh, in terms of playing man coverage. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, blitzing, right? You can be more aggressive in man coverage without, uh, you know, uh, sending more guys or anything. But I, I think just mostly, I guess, it would just be, you know, kind of selling all out on defense, right? Because at some point, offenses are, are going to do what they're going to do. And that's what I like about Spags, Stags. Uh, you know, I, I think – I don't know if you agree, but the thing I like about Spags is it seems like he doesn't really – he has a little balls to the wall kind of uh, kind of attitude, and I think in today's NFL, offenses are going to win anyway. You might as well just kind of go throw caution to the wind, and so that's where maybe uh, defenses need to all kind of understand uh, is 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 probably what they need to do. Yeah, I think that's a that's something that I was just considering was if you don't have that dominant number one wide receiver at some point, teams are just going to man you up and say, "I'm not worried about you all beating us. We're we're just going to." just going to jam you at the line of scrimmage and, and, and make sure that nobody's open. And, and so I think until you can show that you can beat man coverage, there's going to be a test there. And if the, if it works early on, it's a copycat league. Teams are going to pick that up and run with it. So I think you've, you've got Travis Kelsey, who's just a, a destroyer of all things zone at this point. And you've got Kadarius Tony who could probably win some in man coverage uh, at this point, as long as he's healthy. But so far, until Sky Moore proves something, until, you know, MVS, uh, uh, you know, takes any uh, additional steps forward. I mean, you just got a lot of guys who are who are good, solid receivers, kind of like you said about the Chiefs pass rush. Uh, There's a death by a million paper cuts on the Chiefs offense. Uh, and, and you don't have any any dominant players when you don't have dominant players. To me, as a defensive coordinator, I would man you up and, and make you try to beat me. Right. And, and that's the thing is, is right now the, the trend is kind of not letting quarterbacks beat them. Right. Is, is, okay. We're going to, we're going to force you to, to take your, your paper, you know, you take your paper cuts again. We keep, I keep using that reference, but take your little, you know, nickel and dimes and, 
Mahomes obviously had a little struggle getting used to that, but obviously at some point he did he did kind of understand what he needed to do, and and it's become the Super Bowl team. But yeah, I think I think we'll just see defenses get a little more aggressive, get more playmakers on the field, and just attack the the offense's you know best thing, right? Whether it is running the ball, whether it is passing. For the Chiefs, I would say it's probably going to be manning up with a focus on Travis Kelsey in terms of maybe safety's kind of eyeing him. And then forcing, like you said, forcing the other guys to win. And so Sky Moore, uh, you know, Rasheed Rice, or MVS, these guys are all going to have to prove it all over again. Um, you know, just because they won last year doesn't mean, you know, doesn't mean defenses aren't, you know, are, are going to, uh, you know, not respect them. The good, the good news is when you have the best quarterback in the league and a creative player himself, and you've got one of the best coaches in the league who's also a creative play caller, I trust this team to adjust to whatever defenses throw at them. And, and in some ways, I hope that, that teams abandon that too high stuff and the Chiefs can get back to throwing deep a little bit more. And I think they'll be able to take advantage of whatever defenses are, are doing. And that's why this is a potential dynasty. And, and so it's a fun time to be a Chiefs fan, uh, even if it's a slow time of the summer. But, hey, that's all about to change, at least the, the slow part, not the fun part. As we head into training camp, we will talk to you in a couple of weeks, maybe from St. Joe, maybe – just coming uh, coming back from practice, uh, we'll get some of those fun training camp takes about who's impressing in shorts and pads and who's uh, not, uh, who's lining up where, what battles are, are taking place. We'll dive into that next time. But in the meantime, we appreciate you hanging with us on the Out of Structure podcast. Make sure you rate and review all of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, uh, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and continue to read Great work like Ron's series about uh, some of these underrated players on arrowheadpride.com. And we will talk to you again real soon. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.